Shalom Aleichem on behalf of page 613, we welcome you to take 10 for Talmud. Kiddushin Chavdalit, Kiddushin 24a, pagination is 47. We're starting from just below midway on the page at the two dots in the middle of the line, Tana, we learnt. There's a concept mentioned in the Torah that an Evid Kanani would go free if the master damaged, destroyed one of the key limbs of the person. The example that the Pasuk gives is Shane, his tooth, Va'ayin, or his eye. If either of them are knocked out, then the Eved goes free from his servitude. Now, in terms of understanding the message and the insight of the mitzvah, Tameh HaMitzvah, it is fascinating that in another similar law, Mitzvah Nun in the Chinuch, that if a master strikes the Eved a deathly blow and kills him, it's considered a capital offense. And the Mepharshim explain on different levels the insight. The Evan Ezra writes, Shalom Yasrena Musur Achzori, that the master, as much as he's allowed to get work from the slave, but he's not allowed to be cruel in the way that he deals with it. The Chinuch mentions that a person's not allowed to be overtaken by ka'as gadol, by a great anger, such that he strikes the person a deathly blow. The Abarbanel assumes that the master was very angry, even if it's justifiably so, and he's hitting the person to the point that another blow will kill him, and he administers that last blow, and actually kills him. Hosef Maka al-Makoso, that's what's so horrendous in that case of killing the Eved, and it's a capital offense. In our case, he didn't kill the Eved, but he struck him a blow that irreparably damaged a significant part of his body, and with that, the Eved goes free, and that's the result of striking such a blow. So, the Gemara wants to understand, is Shein Va'ayin, the tooth and the eye, an example, or examples, of what would set free, which is the way, it's the way it's understood, that's our tradition, that these are simply examples, but any one of the Rosh Yevarim, if it would be, for example, an arm, it would be the same setting free. Or were these exceptions, and they are unique, only these two items. So Tana we learnt, Yotze B'Shen Va'ayin, the Eved would go free, with the tooth and the eye, for Rosha or any other key limbs that do not repair themselves. 
Bishlam Hashem Va'ayin Ksivi, I understand that a tooth and an eye are written. How do you know to extend this rule to all limbs? And the Gemara answers, It's the same concept. They are blemishes in the open and they don't return. They don't fix themselves. The same halacha would be in place for any similar type of damage. The Gemara challenges that. Why don't you say that are two specific items that are listed, and the rule is that when you have two specific items that are listed, we assume that these are the only two items. You don't extrapolate from them. You do not use them as an example, as a paradigm. But instead, they are the exception. Tzricha. We need both Shane and Ayin in order to teach the concept, and therefore they're not considered a list, but rather they're considered a paradigm to extend to other similar things. Why indeed did Shane and Ayin have to be listed? Why is each one teaching me something? Tzricha. If I only knew about a tooth, I would think even a baby tooth, if it got knocked out. So the Torah said, no, it's got to be like an eye. It's got to be something that will not re- replace itself. And a baby tooth, uh, an adult tooth will take its place. He's not without it for life, without teeth, without the tooth. And therefore, Shane had to be a shein was not sufficient, we needed ayin. V'ikaz of Rahmana ayin, and if I only knew I have amina ma'ayin shenivra imo, I would think only an eye that was created with him, meaning it was functional from the beginning. Avkol shenivra imo, only things that are functional from the beginning, avol shein, lo, but a tooth was not functional from the time that he was born. Tzricha, I need to know both shein va'ayin, but they are still teaching me as examples all other similar things. They are not an enumeration of the only two things which would have this halacha. The Gemara continues and tells us that essentially this follows the rule of klal uprat uklal. Because there's a pasuk starting off ki Klau, any time that you hit, that's considered a klau, a general rule. Then there's the prat of Shein Va'ayin, the specific example, tooth and eye. And then there's a klau, lachofshi yishalchenu, that you're going to have to send him free as a very general rule. And the rule is, if the presentation of the psukim is such that it's general, then specific, then general, then you say the general rule according to things that match the specific example that was given. And once again, we state the guidelines 
Mahaprat Mefurash Mum Shabegoli Veenam Chosrim, the itemized things are damages that are visible and they do not rejuvenate. Avkom Mum Shabegoli Veenan Chosrim, similarly, things that are open damages and they do not rejuvenate would all be included in this rule that the Eved gets set free if the master does that type of damage. I want to add in an intriguing concept about midway on Amud Bey's. We have an idea, Neged Eino Ve'eno Roe, if the master struck near the eye and therefore the Eved can't see, near the ear, and now the Eved can't hear, the Eved doesn't go free because of that. Now, this is not talking that he slammed a part of the head and caused the damage, because that too is causing the damage. It means, as the Gemara explains, that kala, the effects of a blow, even to a wall, but somehow caused the person to no longer be able to see, to no longer be able to hear. And the Gemara explains it, shiny Adam, a person is unique, dekevan debardasu, because he has intention, he's got a very powerful brain, it's possible for a person to damage themselves out of fear. And that's not considered a direct damage. This very well may be related to the idea that if a person, they put a person into a freezer truck that was off, and whatever the gang situation was, but they put him into a freezer chat that was off, but they told him it was on. And they found that the person died from the autopsy. It was clear he died from the same bodily function as if it had been a freezing truck because the brain, based on his expectation that it was freezing, caused him to go into that mode of freezing. And the brain has the power to actually do the damage, even though the damage wasn't actually inflicted in a physical way. Yeshikoach, thank you for joining.